This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. We'll continue to going through the prophecies because we come closer from Christmas every day and it's a good time to remember what prophecies we have about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And we will concentrate ourselves today in a prophecy of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet ordained to carry the word of God and sanctified and filled by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Israel at this time had nothing against the prophets, but the problem was those who remind the people of their sin and announce the God's judgment. So it irritates the ears. And, you know, the people at this time want to hear the good news, want to hear the flattering word while being in disobedience with God. So as you know, it came to a really bad end for Isaiah. We learned that uh, in the Jewish tradition that tell us Isaiah was murdered under the reign of Manasseh. He was so in two parts. But before he died, he just dropped a prophetic bomb through Isaiah, which still irritated some years today, 2,700 years later. So we, we will study that today. The prophecy starts in Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 14, and go through Isaiah 33. So we will read that now. If you want to open your Bible and follow with me. So Isaiah 52, 13 to 14. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at, at you, so his visage was married more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah 33. Who has believed her report? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hide as it were our face from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he was born or grieved and carried or sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The shatiment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripe we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as the lamb to the slaughter, 
and as a sheep before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he, he was cut off from the land of the living. For the translation of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet he pleased the Lord to breathe him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his end. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous shall servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide, divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressor. And he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. So, this was written 700 years before it was fulfilled. And this chapter speaks about the Messiah who had to come to take away the sin of the world. And as a believer, we know just one person who fits perfectly in this description. And we will see today how it's accurate and in this passage. So we will go through the prophecy and see six fulfilled prophecies. We will start with what we read in the verse 2. The verse 2 said, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So when Jesus came in the earth, he came 100% human. He is 100% God, but he is 100% human. He doesn't have like a big strength like Samson. He doesn't have like a, a distinctive physical sign or a, I don't know, wings like the angel, maybe, I don't know. But Jesus was really like us. And also, he didn't come from a powerful family. He didn't come of a rich family. He was carpenter like his father. So he had no extra things who made him like better than us. He rose like a weak plant before the Lord in this context, in the land of Israel, in full rebellion and apostasy. That's what means the dry ground. In Israel, in this time, even the religious leaders who were supposed to lead the people completely left the people. They left the Lord for the tradition of men. So Israel was completely spiritually sterile and under the control of the Roman Empire. 
And also, if we want to go further, now we see that Israel was a dry ground spiritually. Jesus is called Jesus of Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem in Judah, but he grew up in Nazareth in Galilee. Galilea, sorry. So it's in the north of Israel, and the people knew that. The people who opposed Jesus called Jesus the Galilean. Remember when Peter was following Jesus from Hafar, when he denied him, the servant who talked to him said, you were too with Jesus the Galilean. And you need to know in the Hebrew eyes, the Galilee had a very bad reputation because it was populated by Hebrew who mixed with Gentile and pagan people. In the Jewish tradition, there were fought and unholy people who are rough without spiritual education. And that's why we have this reaction from Nathanael. You remember when Philip came to present uh, Jesus to Nathanael? Nathanael declared, can anything good come from Nazareth? Also, we can find that in Isaiah 9, verse 1, the Galilea is called Galilee of the Gentiles. So it was really a place without the faith, a really true dry ground, spiritual dry ground. We can remember that too. When Jesus started his ministry in Nazareth, he didn't do any he didn't do a lot of miracles because the faith was not here. The people started saying, isn't Jesus the son of Joseph? Or they can maybe don't imagine the Messiah can be a carpenter or come from a carpenter family. So the second point is on the verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, and acquainted with grief. You know, Jesus came, he did his ministry, he healed a lot of people, and even though he performed a lot of miracles, not everyone in Israel believed in him, and not everyone followed him. So he brought the division, like the sword separating truth from the lie. And those who didn't believe in Jesus rejected him first. He was rejected by the Gentiles. Remember when he came to Gardanesh? After he casted out many demons many demon from one man, he threw the demon in the swine. And the swine ran and just jumped into the water and died. And the reaction of the people was, oh no, just don't disturb us. Just go out of the country. It was a clear message. They rejected Jesus. They didn't notice that a man was saved this day. They didn't realize that the man who was completely crazy now is in his good sense. They preferred their swine. So they rejected him. He was rejected by his own people. 
his own people was separated. Some believed and some others didn't believe. We can think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They accused Jesus of working his miracle by the power of demons. Power of Beelzebul, power of Satan. And also, some disciples followed him just for food and miracles. They saw that Jesus performed a lot of miracles and they say, wow, it's amazing. They saw that they can just follow him and have good bread, good fish without walking. But when the Lord come to them and just bring to them into the point of the discipleship to follow him, they rejected him. This word in John 12, 37 to 38 is accomplished. But also, he had done so many signs before them. They did not believe in him that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed or report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So the people started to think, what? I need to eat his flesh? I need to drink his blood? What does it mean? They didn't understand the spiritual idea behind that. With a Jewish background, heard this kind of things, you can be really shocked. So they just left. We need to understand that the unbeliever rejected Jesus but also every people who believed in Jesus also rejected him. Like, you know, when he started his ministry, he had a lot of opposition from the religious leader, but also some religious leaders started to have the faith. But the Bible said in John 12, 42 to 33, it said, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So, even the believers started to reject Jesus. And we will see now, even the most faithful disciple abandoned and left Jesus when the persecution began. Judah came and betrayed Jesus in Gethsemane. People came with weapons to just take Jesus. And Peter just took his sword and started to fight. The other just fled. But when the Lord said, hey, you will not glorify me if you use this word. He said to him that if you use, if he use his, his word, he will perish by the sword. When Peter heard that, he left with the other. And he started to follow him from afar. He started to see Jesus. He who said few chapters before, Whatever the cost of following you, I will follow you to the death. 
But when all of that came, he denied three times Jesus. And the last time he denied him by cursing him. So this prophecy is fulfilled. Everyone at the time abandoned and rejected him. There is an interesting point in um, Isaiah 52, verse 13, who said, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was married more than any man. I don't know if you remember, but Jesus suffered a lot. A lot of people was really mean with him. I think about when Jesus was to the court against Caiph, the holy priest. The Bible said, the man who held Jesus mocked him and beat him and having blindfolded him. They struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesize, who is the one who struck you? Also, when Pilate gave his final judgment, he delivered Jesus to the soldier who outraged him a lot. The Bible said, and they clothed him with purple, and they twist a crown of thorn, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of Jew. When they, then they struck him on the head with reed and spat on him. So the face of Jesus, the visage of Jesus was completely broken. They spat on him. They struck him. They punched him. They put a crown with spine who went into his skull. You can imagine how he can look like after that. I don't know if you ever see like a, a, a box fighting on the TV, but at the end of the match, at the end of the fight, you can see the face of the people. You can see how like five, ten punch on just the face can modify it. The eyes become really big, blue, the noise. But for Jesus, it was really more than that. So he took so many blows to the face, it was hard to look at him without being choked. In the chapter 53, verse 7 said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers in silence. So he opened, opened not his mouth. And it was also fulfilled. When he was in the presence of Caiph, the holy priest, when he was in the presence of Pilate, he didn't answer any question. The only question he responded was about his identity. Are you the son of God? I am. Are you the king of Jews, of the Jews? He answered only, I am. Yes, I am. When Pilate bring Jesus in Herod's place, he remained silent again. To the Herod's house, he didn't say anything. And Herod was happy to see him. He had many questions to ask. But he remained silent. 
you know, in this time, I'm sure if Jesus begged the government to don't go in the judgment, maybe it was possible. But he remained silent. The verse 9 said, And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. What we can see in the gospel, and you can search in the gospel, Jesus' attitude toward us and toward people was really exemplary. So if you read every gospel, you won't find any sin from Jesus. And you know, even when the people started to be tough with Jesus, he didn't respond with anger and hatred. Jesus every time focused only on the truth. When he answered the Pharisees, you race of viper, it was because their hearts were really evil and they needed to be rebuked. But it was not to curse him. Remember, when he went through a Samaritan village and asked for the hospitality to the Samaritan. But the Samaritan refused him because the Hebrew and Samaritan don't have any relationship. And when the disciples saw that, they said, Lord, do you want us to command the fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Jesus answered, the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's life, but to save them. Amen. It's really a humble attitude. Even, you know, in the front of his accuser, there were a lot of false testimony, a lot of lie, but nothing was fine against him. Mark 14, verse 55 to 59 said, Now the chief priest and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but the, their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even they did their testimony agree. All of this effort to accuse a man, and they did not. They found none. Pilate tried to don't condemn him because he didn't find any true accusation against him. Even if the Hebrew was really angry against Jesus, he didn't do nothing who deserved death. Pilate talked many times to the Hebrew. The third time he asked to the Hebrew, why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. But you know the story. Under the pressure, Pilate just let Jesus be crucified. He just watched his hand and said, now it's not my problem. 
In the same time, Jesus go in the cross, but in the same time, Barnabas, who was a murderer, was released at the as the requested the Hebrew. The Son of God was beaten and was treated like a criminal, even though he was sinless, a pure and spotless lamb. And all the way of Golgotha, he had to carry his cross himself, like a criminal, like a murderer, and under the blows and the curse of the people, not a word or a sin came from the mouth of the Lord. After that, they raised the three crosses, and a few hours later, Jesus expired. You know that, and it will be after that my last point. It was the sixth, between the sixth and the ninth hour, who correspond for us to noon to 15. Jesus was on the cross. There is like darkness everywhere at noon. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then, behold, the Bible said, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. And the earth quaked, and the rock were split, and the grave were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out to the grave after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. This is what happened just after Jesus died on the cross. And I will come now to this last point. Yet it pleased the Lord to breathe him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. An offering for sin. Jesus was an offering for sin. He was the last sacrifice of the sacrificial law. Jesus died once for all for the sin of the world. He is the last sacrifice that will justify all those who believe in him. The tearing of the veil testifies to this. Because the sacrifice for the sin of the people was performed in the Holy of Holies, the part of the temple, and just only one person, one time per year, can come into this place called Holy of Holies and can perform the sacrifice of atonement for the people. And to come in the Holy of Holies, you, go, you go through a veil. But when Jesus died, the veil was broken from top to bottom. And it was not done by the hand of men. You know, there is a thing because... As a Christian, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But a lot of Jews don't believe that. 
But there is a thought I will bring to you. If Jesus was an apostle, was not the Messiah, would God let a man or a demon come and destroy the most important part of the temple, essential for the justification of the whole people? Because with the veil destroyed, you cannot perform any sacrifice. So it's mean, it's, it's mean now we need no more sacrifice to cover fall. Jesus was the last one. The shed blood of Jesus is the new covenant between the man and God. And anyone who look to Jesus with faith in all he has accomplished, that is, believing that he is the Son of God who died on the cross for all sin and resurrected the third day, the third day you will be saved. Anyone who humbles himself before God asking for forgiveness for his sin in Jesus' name will be completely forgiven, redeemed. The name will be written in the book of life. So it was the perfect plan of God to redeem the sinner. And Jesus accepted it. And this point is really important. Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody take the life of Jesus. He gave his life as the offering for the sin. Remember what Jesus uh, said in Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, 38 to 39. Then he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and wa watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Not as I will, but as you will. Jesus accepted the job. And also, when the people came after uh, Judas' betrayal to take Jesus, he said, we look for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, it's me. And when he said, it's me, the people started to fall on the ground. So Jesus was enough powerful to just... Uh, Don't be killed by this man or not be taken by this man. He offered his life for us. So we don't need anything else than the faith in God through Jesus Christ today to be saved. But your faith needs to be honest. You have to take God as your God. I will take an example when a man and a woman get married in the front of the altar. They don't promise to do the decision properly every day. They don't promise to never shout against and to be perfect. But they promise one thing, to be faithful. To be faithful until the death. In the good time, in the bad time, in the sickness, in the joy. And that's exactly what God asking to you and to me, <laughs> to us. It's to be faithful in all things. God is God. 
if he asks you something, you need to be faithful and do it. You need to keep every word of this Bible. It's the word of God. It's the authority on your life. When the Lord said, this thing is bad, you need to correct your way. It's really important. God is God. So, remember everything. He paid the price. We had to pay for our sin. We didn't pay anything. We just put our eyes and trust the plan of God. And because of that, you don't have to pay anything. And that is really proof of love from the Lord. So to conclude this message, we didn't cover all of what announced in Isaiah 53, because we can spend two hours, maybe three, to speak about it. <laughs> but I encourage you to go back to Isaiah 53. I encourage you to read it and to go back to the gospel to see what is fulfilled because it's really accurate. It's really an, encourages, uh, an encouragement for us. So, this is the promise of a perfect forgiveness and a perfect restoration between God and the man through Jesus Christ. So, there is no other name in earth for redemption. Amen? So, I will pray now. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for your really wonderful sacrifice for us, for the love you have for us. You come to us. We were like liar, murderer, thief, but you didn't like how at our sin. You just opened the door. Thank you for that, Lord. We will be eternally thankful. I cannot imagine if I need to tomorrow to give my son, to give my son, to redeem people, bad people. I cannot imagine the price you paid. But I know just one thing. I'm trusting in you. Thank you for everything. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you.